Wow, is it really episode 35? I think so. 35. Oh my gosh. You know what I was thinking? I have not ticked off that many people that people keep coming back and listening. It's awesome. And it's a miracle. It is absolutely a miracle. This is a blast each and every week. So um, let's back up a second. Um, Welcome to episode 35 of the We All Serve podcast. Back with uh, that handsome devil over there, Angel Torres. There we go. With that cool shadow box, just got to say, got to call it out each and every week. I love it. No, I mean, it's, it's like you've it, cleared. Love it. Freedom isn't free. That was a fun one to win. And uh, it's a golf event. I love it. No, you shared the story. You know, it's just, I'm amazed at how many clearly, I don't know, you, you've you clearly gotten like, you've managed to slip through the radar. You've gotten a lot of nice awards. I just wonder like how you did that. But I tied my shoes right like four times in a row. I chewed gum and didn't fall and trip over my own feet. I think that was one of them. And mom put a toe ball. <laughs> That's pretty much the only qualifications in the Navy. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, today we've got a treat because, you know, we, we talk a lot about last week we had our first Coastie. Um, so this week we're getting like a two in one deal. Um, I just figured, you know what, it's the first day in March, you know, we should, we should really try to accomplish big things as we try to wrap up Q1 of 2021. So well, we got a Marine. And Marines like to do March. So March. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Well, um, before we go any further, um, definitely, if you are tuning in uh, live on Facebook, YouTube, uh, we appreciate you um, and make sure you're clicking subscribe, but make sure you're also checking out our podcast and joining the many. We actually just passed um, well over, I think it's now we're at about 1250 um, downloads of each of our episodes. So that's, that's pretty Pretty awesome. Which, as I don't know if I mentioned this to you, according to the statistics that I saw, that puts us in the top like fifteen or twenty percent of podcasts yeah. worldwide. You know, I'm like nervous to tell people that because, like, I think that they're gonna think I'm full of crap. And I'm like, and then, I, like, when you told me, I was like, what? And then you yeah. showed me the numbers. I was like, that's amazing. Like, oh my god, we have so many cool people that listen to us. It's so awesome. I'm so we excited. do, we do. No, it's 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 pretty awesome. Um, so. How's your how's your week been? It, it was tough, man. Um, I got hit with like uh, uh, kidney stones, and that sucks. I mean, uh, like for a week before, I had like just problems where I felt like I had to go to the bathroom a lot, and then I got the kidney stones, and it was you know I, I walk around like a little old lady, and uh, no no shame, just you know miserable, and uh, they actually did end up doing surgery for it. So the after surgery, what I found out, I've had kidney stones before, like I had them in Iraq and that was not fun. But what the aftercare for kidney stone surgery is the worst thing ever because they put like a stint inside you and you got things, foreign things. And and I'm good now. <laughs> Life is good. I'm happy. For those of you just listening to the podcast, Angel is just giving a very graphic demonstration on the screen over here. And you are missing out if you are just listening to the audio. So make sure you check out the video too. And share. And other people can share in the misery that is my biological misfortune. <laughs> has Tina been taking good care of you? She has. She has. She ordered, she had a bunch of food uh, ordered like before I got home from the hospital and it was all like ready to go, but I didn't want to eat it. But, you know, she's just too good to me. Too damn good to me. It's true. You don't deserve it. I don't. You don't. Um, well, I am excited um, to bring in our guest. Um, so let's jump right into it because I don't want to get too deep into uh, your uh, biological issues, as we said. So our friend uh, Joe Conver has eight years of military experience. Um, first as a United States Marine 
uh, in the United States Marine Corps as decorated Marine Corps sniper during Desert Storm. And then in the United States Army, where you earned the title of Airborne Ranger Pathfinder. Took his leadership skills to college, where you earned a BS in financial economics and accounting. Um, and uh, continued his leadership through hospitality, 20 plus years of honing his passion to make the lives of others better, restaurant, hotel, and country club management. But currently, he is over there uh, rocking that very uh, fancy, I think I saw his name tape over there, uh, as the executive director of the Atria Senior Living at Cranberry Woods in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. Joe, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. Absolutely. So tell me, when you transitioned um, from the Marine Corps into the Army, um, did the Army allow you to take the crayons with you? Take the what with me? Crayons. The crayons, yes. Yes. I don't know what that means, but uh, what does really? that mean? The crayons? Yeah. They, the joke is that Marines, you know, they're, they're basically knuckle draggers and they eat crayons. And so when you give them to them, and they, if you ask any Marine, they'll tell you the red ones taste the best. Okay. I don't know about all that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so, which, is, uh, which is kind of funny because most of my Marine Corps buddies are, are absolutely brilliant people. Yeah. It's, funny, it's funny to laugh about that because, because, you know, of their, their follow order kind of uh, regiment, but mm -hmm. they're brilliant. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, well, it's included mostly. Sometimes. Well, yeah. So, I, I, I did a, I did a lot of dumb stuff in uh, the Marine Corps and the Army. So I don't, I wouldn't call myself smart. But uh, you were there. In no, too, I guess it's too dumb to quit, right? You ever that, that terminology, right? Yeah. So, for sure. I always get excited when there's someone that's on there as, as chronologically sophisticated as I am uh, that uh, can say Desert Storm, Desert Shield, uh, Desert Cleanup, and. Uh, you know, as a sniper, I'm sure you had such a, a breadth of experience in the two-day war. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't last very long, and uh, yeah, and then I did uh, two two back-to-back -back tours in the Mediterranean, which was which was real nice as well. So being going to Spain, France, Israel, Greece, Turkey, so there was a lot of experiences over there for sure. Wild stuff. So I I'm excited to hear your story, both um, joining the Marine Corps, sure. jumping over to the Army. You and I talked a little bit about this offline, and then. Um, what happened subsequent um, to all of that and how those skills um, have transferred onward. So you you joined the Marines, and I'm still shocked you you haven't been called a um, a crayon eater. Um, so yeah. I'm glad we were able to teach you something. I guess it was, my time was Jarhead, so I don't know if they still got Jarheads, but uh, definitely not. I've never heard crayon eater before. So, so yeah. I have to ask the question really simply, why the heck did you walk into a recruiting station? So I, uh, I guess based on my background, so I was born and raised in, in Southern California where, you know, bottom, bottom third of my high school class, bottom third of the economic chain. And so, you know, college was never not part of my, you know, vocabulary. And so uh, my buddy and I were, were talking about, you know, what we we're going to do in, in probably the seventh and eighth grade. So I knew I wanted to be a Marine, you know, very early on. Because I knew I had a lot of leadership ability inside me. I just didn't have anybody to to bring it out. You know, um, family lifestyle. Dad passed away young, and uh, you know, mom left that kind of thing. And so once I got there, it was I was an empty slate. You know, I, I did. I shot a BB gun. Uh, you know, once or twice. Um, I shot a twenty-two once. And so I just I knew I wanted to get yelled at. I wanted, I just wanted to somebody to to slap me around and say, you know, hey Joe, you have something inside you to. Uh, to, to bring out. And so, and that's what they, that's what happened. So 
You know, Joe, the one thing that you said that really, really kind of resonates with me, I think we talked about this last last episode, was the, the great thing about the military is when you go there, you have an opportunity to invent the person that you were always meant to be. 100%. You're, you're absolutely right. Because, and, and I've said this story, and you've probably said this story a lot. You know, if, if you smoke pot before the military, you've got, there's guys in, there, in, the, in the military that smoke pot. There's the people that steal, that lie, you know, that cheat. Um, but they, they don't go in it with a, with a pure heart. But if you do go there, it's not going to make you in somebody that you're not, but if it's inside you and you want to change, if you want to be a different person, I couldn't agree with you more, Angel. I mean, and it did, and it brought me out the person that I, I knew I always was for sure. Yeah. And it gives you opportunities to explore things that weren't in front of you on your block. You know, like, like if you're like me, like, what did you see? I saw retail. I saw being a police officer. I saw things that just didn't appeal to me. And, and just seeing other opportunities and things like you ended up the furthest thing in the world from what you probably would have thought you would have ended up. But everything that you've done is kind of building towards the person you want to be. It is, you know, and I thought I was going to be a Marine for 30 years. I mean, I, I when I joined the military, I'm like, this is it. This is my career. I'm going to do it. And, you know, and, and uh, if I said 35 years from now, I'm, I'm going to be an executive director of a senior living or of an old folks home. Right. So it'd be like, you know, you're crazy. You know, I'm going to be a Marine. I'm going to be a, de be a decorated Marine. And uh, and that's it. But you're absolutely right. And that's how, you know, you, you transition. You know, I, I, I got in the military and I had some great leaders and the leadership style in the military is shut up or I'll make you do pushups until you die. Right. It's like, I'll do, you know, don't do or die. Right. And so, and I, and so that's how my leadership style started out. And so I, I was comfortable with it. I, for a while after I, I got into it, I, I just made young kids cry for years, right? These young privates would come in and, and just like me and, and you mold them and you know what they, what they didn't learn on the, like I said, on the block, um, you got to know them and, uh, and got to, and, and motivated them and motivated them up. I took that leadership style and actually, so in, uh, in college, you know, you you get those, those groups together and then you got the challenger and the, and the recorder and the, you know, the presenter. And then you have that social loafer that just shows up to the, to the, you know, to the meetings and doesn't do anything, but, you know, gets the, gets the A because everybody else is working. And I took that military style and I, and I said, you know what? And I, I started yelling at him and I made the kid cry. And he was maybe, you know, 25 pounds heavier than I was, maybe an, an inch and a half taller than I am, but I just broke him down just like, you know, and I'm like, wow, I don't know that this is a, probably the style of leadership that I should be doing in college. Right. And so I had, a, I had a transition. And so you, you, you self-reflect and, uh, and then you become more participative style, you know, and then it's like, okay, what do you think? And what do you think? And what do you think? But you still have that control, right? Collaborative. Right. Exactly. And then now, you know, over this last year and a half, after 20 years of hospitality experience and having those two leadership, you know, you, you start reading books on what that servant leader is. And I don't, you don't think, you, I don't really think you, you can really tell yourself that you're a servant leader until you've really transitioned through a lot of different leadership styles and got to that kind of that peak, you know, where that you start sitting, start hitting that self-actualization where you know who you are mm -hmm. and you know where you've been. And so I'm, I know I'm not suggesting that I'm, I've, I've hit self-actualization self just yet, but I know that I've, I've just uh, been a part of a year and a half of opening up a senior living community that's a 267,000 square feet is a $40 million building and we're changing lives every single day. It's the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. And it's, and it's me not being prideful and knowing all the answers, but I, I hired 10 director heads and I said, you have to, if you have hospitality in your spirit, your culture, the culture that we're going to bring is going to be the best. And it is, and it's not because of me, but it's because I'm biggest cheerleader 
out there. That's it. I'm not a Marine Corps sniper. I'm not an airborne ranger. I'm not jumping out of airplanes. I'm not making kids cry. I'm just setting people up for success every single day. And I love it. I love it. That's exciting. It's even more exciting because really when we look at the marketplace, um, the baby boomers all shifting. That's a huge, I mean, next to weed, it's probably the biggest growth market. It is. It is. You know, so I transitioned out of, out of the country club world. You're right. And, but country clubs, generally speaking, are dying, right? So nobody's going to the golf course spending, and I love golf. I love golf. Um, but nobody's going to the golf course, you know, spending four hours, you know, no, um, no males coming home and saying, honey, I'm, I'm going to spend, you know, five hours on Saturday and six hours on, on Sunday golfing with my buddies. And I'm going to come home hammered. They're like, hell you are right. You know, you're going to go to baseball games. You're going to go to lacrosse games. You're going to go, you know, do all this other stuff. And, and so even spending two hours out there. So, so yeah. So taking a look and, and stepping in into what is that next wave of hospitality and exactly right. That's what it is. I mean, that, that senior wave is coming and people that have, have lived well and saved well are, are looking for places to live that last 10 or 15 years of life and not die the last 10 or 15 years of life. And that's what it is. You know, in the industry, trust seems to really, in the, especially in, the, in that field, trust is a really, really big factor in having that military background and having that inherent. Um, people naturally trust you. When they say he was a Marine, they say he was a soldier. Um, it's almost inherent that you have that, um, those core values and it's understood. And where you don't have to fight and people aren't looking you, you know, sideways and saying, you know, that guy's a shady SOB. And, and Absolutely right. And right now, with, with you know, you hear about the scams and old elder, elderly people can take advantage of. But more importantly, trusting that you're going to put controls in a place that are going to make sure people are healthy and safe in, in a COVID, in a COVID uh, pandemic. 100%. What are your thoughts on that? How does that affect you as a leader? It is. And so, and, and so my it, it i it's it's challenging every day because that hospitality spirit in me wants to say yes and do it all right and you know throw caution to the wind but then you you know you you have that that whole department head around those department heads around you saying you know we do we need to do the right thing and so yeah so health and safety is very very important and bringing people then um you know that that will guide us you know, when you when you talk about it takes a village um, and it really does, because, you know, if, if one person goes rogue and says, well, we don't need to wear a mask or you know, this is not right. Don't worry about that. Or you can, you know, social distance is stupid or, you know, code is a hoax. That's not where it's at. Right. And so we have to come together because it is a, it is a pain. I wear a mask every all day. Right. Um, every, my whole team wears my, my receptionist has to wear not only a mask, but a face shield. You know, and she hates it. And she's like, Joe, can I take this off? And I'm like, no, I, I don't want you to get COVID and I don't want you to, you know, to spread it. So that's what we have to do. Um, the good thing is that hopefully we're, we're getting better. We, we just went through our second vaccine. Um, and, and so it is exciting. The first time we all wore capes, we were superheroes, which was really cool. And the second time was Valentine's Day, um, the Friday before Valentine's Day. And they said, Joe, can you, will you dress up as Cupid? And I said, absolutely. And so I, had, I wore a, a white tutu and, uh, and I, you know, white wings and, you know, and, and it was, it was fun. And I had a sash that said Cupid on it and cheerleader just, number one, right? Here. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm the yeah, biggest, Rogers, leader, yeah. and I love yeah, it, right? yeah. I'm leading from the front and, and I love it. Um, and so, yeah, so you, you take health and safety seriously to answer your question, but if you do it with a good spin and positive and, you know, heart, then, then 
people will follow. But it's tough. It's not easy. Not at all. I can see where your military background would, would come into play and you'd have to say, okay, now we're going to, okay, we've tried to be nice. We've tried to socialize ideas. I'm tired of listening to people complaint. This is the right thing to do. We're going forward. Here it is. Correct. That's the right. The line stand is right here. This That's right. That's there. right. Line That's right. Exactly right. And then, and, and you started it from the very beginning and we were through the interview process. Right. So, um, and I learned that, you know, to, and I'm not hard, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a hard Marine, um, you know, demanding their respect and then earning their respect, but you do, they draw that line in the sand from the very beginning. It's like, look, here it is. If you want to be part of the team, if you want to change people's lives, if you want to be part of the greatest culture that is going to be created, follow Joe Conver and, and you will get there. And they understand what that standard is. It's not, and I've been in situations where, you know, be soft or it's okay. And then, and then it'll just bite you in the butt, you know, on, on the back end. So yeah, you draw that line in the sand from the very beginning. I agree. And so I got to go back to the fundamentals because uh, people are asking me this question of join the Marines. Um, you did that at what age? So I uh, barely passed high school with a D minus. Um, yeah. 1989. I was, uh, I was uh, just turned 18 years old. Um, joined the delayed entry program 364 days before, right? Or whatever it is, you know, I think it's not 365 days, but it's one day, you know, um, after a year, um, and part of the delayed entry program. And then 10 days after I graduated high school, um, I was in there, you know, and, and so, you know, you're backing up. I, I, I truly failed sophomore English twice. My, my teacher, my senior year, my, both my recruiters had to come to True story. My both my recruiters had to come down to the school and tell my counselor that I'm going to boot camp. And I said, "Man, I didn't sh I didn't show up. I had like 26 days absence. Right? They were all excused because I wrote my aunt's name. Right? But I didn't. I didn't technically. But I barely passed. And then I went in there, and uh, she finally, after about an hour and a half of she saying no, we, we you know two Marines and a and a and a going into a Marine Corps, we, we, uh, you know, we, we changed her mind and, and she passed me. I had to write a, an essay and I had to do a few things to, uh, to solidify it, you know, and, uh, and then I went in and like I said, I was, I was an empty slate. I, I, I just yelled at me and the, the harder they yelled at me, the stronger, I, the, uh, the harder that I was, the, the, you know, taller I stood, the, you know, and I just, just give it to me, give it to, you know, just beat me down. And they did. And, and, uh, and I became a better person from it. Okay. So Marine Corps for how many years? Yeah. So four years. And then, you know, so after desert storm, everybody, you know, just like you said, the, the two day war, they, they recalled so many different people and the re uh, replacement platoons were there. And so the Marine Corps was so oversubscribed that they were letting people out and, and all my buddies were getting out and going to college. And so I thought that was the right thing to do. I'm like, well, I guess it's, if, you know, if everybody else is going out and saying, you know, college is where it's at. And so I went over, went to college and I hated it. I, I didn't, I couldn't make that, that transition. And so I was out, I was roofing, I was doing some construction. I, I, I joined, uh, or enrolled in college and, uh, and I, I had to take math 90 to go to, because I didn't, you know, math 101 was, uh, is a, you know, college, uh, algebra. And I had to take a math 90 class just, to, just to get up, up to par. And so I didn't like it. And then, so I walked over to the Marine Corps recruiter. I'm like, please let me back in and you're considered prior service. So they're like, no, you know, we're so oversubscribed. We, we won't back back in. And then they're like, well, why don't you go to the army? And I'm like, I'm not a soldier. I'm a Marine, right? Oh, I'm a Marine. And then, the, and then month number two, they're like, well, why don't you go over to the army? I'm like, 
I'm not a soldier. I'm a Marine. <laughs> and, by the, and by the third month, it's like, all right. Son of a bitch. Damn it. You know, and um, but, you know, I, I got to uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, there was a, uh, a first sergeant that had a sister that was a captain in the Marine Corps. Um, he, you know, he had a, um, he, you know, he saw something in me. I was a leg. Uh, he was of the Pathfinder Company. And, uh, you know, he said, I, I want you, I want you on my team. And so he recruited me and then I got on the fast track. I went to air assault school and then I went to uh, airborne school and then pathfinder school and then PLDC and uh, combat lifesaver school, ranger school, uh, jump master school. Um, and it was, just, it was great. All, all, everything in the, in the Marine Corps that everybody wants to go to, you know, the army's like, go to the school, go to the school, go to the school. And uh, it was fantastic. I loved it. I loved everything about it. So all my real world stuff was uh, was in the, in the Marine Corps. And then all the fun schools that, that everybody wants to go to was in the Army. So I kind of had the best of both worlds. I loved it. So That's wild. That's wild. And so I always ask this question of our guests. Um, can you point to a outstanding leader, mentor, or friend from your time, either Marine Corps or Army? Yeah, Corporal Myers. I mean, everybody has that guy, right? I mean, that that uh, that changed my life. Um, he was he was a corporal, and he was just I was still a young 18, 19 year olds, and and at that time he was probably twenty two, right? But I thought he was you know a god, and uh, he stood strong. He was you know he knew what he wanted to do, and uh, and he pointed me in the right direction, and he and he helped me change from from a little kid to uh, to a good to you know to an introductory leader. And, uh, and I'll never forget, you know, how funny uh, all is the it? things. When you become a corporal and you look back, you're like, man, that dad didn't have it figured out. He's, he was making that shit up as well. Right, right. <laughs> right, exactly right. But, you know, but when you're 17, 18 years old, you don't know that. And, you know, eight, between 18 and 22, I mean, it's, it's such a huge gap. And then you went to, you're right. When you get 22, you're like, you didn't know what's going on. Right, right. So. Wow. Um, crazy, uh, crazy, crazy times. So great schools. You did not deploy in the army, but, um, for the Marine Corps, you, you did. And I know you were, you and I were talking about that the other day, um, which is, which is, which is interesting. So what rank did you leave the Marine Corps? What rank did you leave the army? Yep. So, um, I got, I got, uh, made corporal in the Marine Corps after 26 months and then got out as a corporal. And then I went into the army as a specialist four, which was different. Um, but then I, I went through that. I went to range school and PLDC and I became a, a sergeant and then I uh, went to BNOP to get, become a staff sergeant. Okay. What was, what was the catalyst for you deciding that I don't want to do this anymore? I don't want to run and gun. I want to do other stuff. Yeah, I was, I was, I was tired of sitting I, outside. I got a, a talk, like a self-talk, like, okay, it's time. It, it is time. I, I was tired. Of, I was all infantry, right? So um, my, not necessarily my knees were getting bad, but I was, I was tired of taking a knee. Right. I was tired of sleeping outside. I was tired of eating on Maurice. I was tired of saying the F word, you know, and wearing a green suit. And then you go outside and, and you get hammered and you get tattoos and you go to titty bars. And, you know, and, and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm ready. I mean, that was it. Right. The three things. Right. It was fun for eight years. It was fun. It was great. I went. But I was I wanted to get. So at that point, after those eight years, it was OK. Should I stay in or but I wanted to get educated. Right. And then, and that was fantastic because, you know, I'm, I'm in college again, new lease on life. I'm sitting in a, um, a earth science class and they're talking about cumulus clouds and weather patterns. And, 
And that's where it clicked, right? So I remember being on a comm site on a hilltop with my Marine Corps guys um, and watching these beautiful weather patterns, right? Coming in um, in Turkey. And I'm like, you're reading about it right now. And all these, you know, I got a 19 year old kid sleeping because his parents are paying for college. And I'm like, I lived it. I know what a cumulus cloud is. I didn't know what at the time, but I know what it is. And so bridging that gap between, you know, between the military and academics. And I just, I just strive from it. And I loved it because yeah, yeah. I was ready. I was ready to go to college. I was ready to learn something. I was ready to grow up. You know, mine was, a light, I had the same kind of light switch and it was, um, uh, I graduated 509 out of 520. And it was like one point embarrassing. And it wasn't that I wasn't intelligent or capable. It was that I didn't do well in the learning environment that the traditional had set for me. And that when I figured out what I wanted to do and I decided I'm going to do that educationally, it was like, I was like drinking, drinking. I wanted to drink more. Like, dude, I'm yes. thirsty. I need yes. to this stuff. Yes. Right? Yes. going to help me. And then you start going and, 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 and you get a taste of one degree. Like for me, it was an associates, right? Okay. I got, associate. I got one piece of paper and then it was a bachelor's. Then it was a master's. Then it was another master's. And I'm like, when the hell did I become an academic? <laughs> right, exactly. And, and <laughs> finance, I, I would I would be in school and I would have my doctorate. I loved it so much. Yeah. But, you know, I, I needed to get out in the real world. And, you know, I was married and, and had kids and, and I, I got my four-year degree. But you're right. I got, I was, I went in for business and then finance, it was financial economics. And then if you took six more classes, you got an accounting degree. And if you took like six uh, leadership classes, you can get a minor leadership. And I just, and I, I would have stayed in there. I would have loved it because I loved everything about learning. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you 100%. So congratulations on that. How does that serve you in your current uh, business space? Does it give you objectivity or do you, do you feel like you get a, an equal amount from education as you did from your leadership experience in the military? Or do you think one is more prevalent in your career? Um, I, they definitely complement each other, right? For sure. Um, the few things uh, like organizational management, you know, so you learn management in the military, but then you, when you see it on paper in a, on, you know, on the, on a overhead projector or, you know, PowerPoint presentation and you're understanding what, what those things are, um, you get it right. I mean, you, you, you put what you, what was, you, you know, shove down your throat in the military to what do you see it on paper? And that's, that's, that was a good organization. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, Excel spreadsheets, you know, the, the word documents. I took writing one-on-one twice because I didn't know how to write. A, and I, now I love to write. Um, because I was using big words and, you know, trying to, to over, you know, complicate things. And, you know, the second time I, I, I took it, like, just, just write like you talk. And, and once that clicked, um, then I, 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 I love to, to write, you know, and, uh, and you do well just because you're talking about it. So, but it, but so I, I transitioned. I, I think I used a lot more of my leadership and, and military experience in college, um, teaching others about leadership um, and stuff. But I, I did. And so I guess solidifying my leadership on a different level in college, you know, where these where some kids were just figuring out themselves, um, taking my leadership to another level, um, understanding that college kids are a little bit more intelligent than kids just barely passing high school. So, I mean, I learned every, every single, every single experience I've, I'm, I've been in, you know, you learn from it. So. 
So when do you get out? Why uh, why did you choose not to, not to stick around and continue your service? Yeah, like I said, I, I, I was tired of humping the rucksack. I was tired of being away. I was I was I was, I was tired, tired of eating MREs. Didn't you hear him? He's tired of titty bars. I was tired of titty bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, you could you could have joined the the, the navy and been uh, lazy. No, I, uh, I wanted to go to college. I, I wanted I wanted to get out and get education. I, I something clicked inside me that. That I, just, I I was ready. I was ready to get out in the real world, and and I felt that I had enough leadership ability, and and I wanted a different experience, you know. Because um, once you hit that level, once you hit that staff sergeant, then then you get in that lifer mentality, which is a little bit different than you know the real world, you know. And there's nothing wrong with it. Not nothing wrong with it at all. I mean, there's some great men that that have spent thirty years in it. Um, and but women. Me, and women. Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Um, but it just for me, I, I wanted to, I wanted to learn about the academics of all of it. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so you, let's talk about your post uh, post military career, um, which I know you and I talked about. Your military experiences influenced many of the. Uh, I know it's still very much a part of who you are. It is, um, and, and, yeah. And so, but but I started out as a dishwasher in a, in a restaurant, and that's where I think my hospitality spirit came from. Um, but a lot of it, you know, if, you know, if I'm sitting on a couch telling you, you know, being, being exposed, you know, my mom, my mom, uh, left when I was very, when I was six months old, my dad died when I was 10. So I always had that in, inside me to please people, right. I'm a pleaser. Um, and I, and I like hospitality because, you know, I, I you put a great product in front of somebody and you do hard work and they say, thank you. And that drives me, right. And if, if I work hard and somebody says, Joe, Thank you. Thank you for the hard work you've done. I mean, it's, it's my drug of choice. It really is right. That, that appreciation. And so when I started as a dishwasher, you know, uh, my general manager taught me a lot of stuff that I took in the military, you know, and as in the restaurant business, when you're, when you're in the back of the house, you got to make sure you're doing something coming and going, right. Don't go up full hands in full hands out. Um, you know, make sure you're, you're covering your back, make sure you're doing, um, not only your job, but you know, two jobs ahead of you, because as a dishwasher, you never know when that cook position is going to, going to open up. And so I took a lot of that. And then after the military, um, after college, um, I, I kind of wanted to own my own restaurant. I didn't, didn't do very well. Um, one of the, the 99% that failed in restaurant, <laughs> you know, trying to own a restaurant myself, right. That didn't work out. Um, but you know, you get kicked in the teeth and, uh, lick your wounds and, and you move on and, and, uh, got into hotels and then country clubs and all hospitality and just kind of learning different experiences to, uh, yeah, to, to actually now be on top, to be that servant leader, hiring 10 department heads and, and, and again, changing lives. Inspiring. Very, very inspiring. So you are out in Pennsylvania mm -hmm. and, uh, do you have any veterans working for you? I do. Yeah. So, um, so H, so you, uh, you mispronounce it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sharpshooting, but it's Atria senior living. And so they're sniper uh, sharpshooting. <laughs> and so they, they have a, what's it's called a veterans wall. And so they're very, so there's 225 different communities, um, of Atria. That's uh, it's a management company that manages these, uh, high end super, uh, senior living communities. And so part of their culture is to have a veterans wall. And so we just opened up the first week of January. So we're still recruiting the folks that are, that are coming in, but I, I'm, I'm, uh, right in the center of the, of the wall, you know, so it's uh, a flag, um, encased, and then it has two shelves and it says, you know, honor, uh, honor our, our heroes, 
And then, so I'm in there and then I've got, uh, two cooks, one on either side of me, um, that have been there. One was in the Marine Corps and then one was in the army. So. Wow. Like you, except for, that's right. it's just that's right. two people in order to do that. I'm like you. That's right. <laughs> Well, that's awesome, my friend. Um, it, it's great what you're doing. It's great the lessons they've continued to pay for it. So when are you uh, joining the Space Force? The Space Force? Um, 60, maybe. Let me give uh, senior living about 10 years, and then uh, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot to, uh, to Mars. You don't need to. Uh, the PT test uh, doesn't involve any push-ups or sit-ups. You just need to like play video games. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I like it. I'm not very good at video games. So. Angel, you're muted, but I'm sure you're saying good things. Lots of long division and coding. Yikes, that's not for me. Not me. Yeah. No. Sounds smart. I, I'll, I can cook. I'll, I'll, I'll be a dishwasher in the galley. I mean, you want? I, I'll do that. Listen, <laughs> yeah, you're probably are eating good food. Out. <laughs> What's that? What's that's that? All the cool people are hanging out. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. They got the best stories. Every restaurant I ever worked in, you go to where the dishwashers are. Those guys have the best stories. Absolutely. What I did last week, and you're like, oh my god, that's I right. grow, I'm that's growing right. by the minute. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. Well, Angel, I'll leave the last word over to you. Well, I just want to thank you for everything you're doing, not just previously in your service, but um, as you continue to lead lead forward and being uh, a great ambassador for military veterans in the corporate workforce and to pay it forward. And I'd love to hear that you're not only doing what you do in the way that that, uh, the military shaped you, but also uh, not putting that stuff on a shelf and bring it into the everyday and bring it forward to the younger people and uh, coincidentally the older folks. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and to hear you uh, being intentional about recruiting veterans and uh, really inspires me and anything we can do to help you out with that, um, we're always here to help you. I appreciate that, Angel. Thank you. Yeah, Joe, appreciate what you're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, find us some uh, some other awesome veterans like you doing great things. Um, that's what the show is all about, um, trying to inspire uh, whether somebody puts the uniform on or, uh, you know, people are serving in all sorts of different ways. And it's exciting to uh, you talked about servant leadership and that's really what it is all about. So, um, Angel, yeah, next people week, want to talk about yeah. servant leadership and they just started the company like two weeks Right, yeah, that, right, exactly. Dude, you what? <laughs> and I, and I, I talked about that, right? I, I, don't I know it's so funny. Talking. I was like, "Oh, that's so true." So you can't just throw out the word "servant." I'm a servant leader. You, know, you have to earn it, right? You have to have you know a bunch of different leadership styles that you have gravitated through, yeah. right, and evolved from. Tribulations, right? What's that? Trials and tribulations. Absolutely, get kicked <laughs> in the teeth, get knocked down, you know, get some bruises, some uh, some banged up knees, and and then then you can call yourself a, a servant leader. You can't be a millennial, and not there's anything wrong with millennials, right? But uh, you know, a 22 year old or 28 year old saying, you know, I'm a servant leader, and I don't know, maybe I don't know, maybe you can, but it lacks it lacks teeth. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much, Joe. Uh, well, yes, sir. Joe, next week on episode 36 of We All Service, we have um, the retired Command Sergeant Major uh, from the Ranger Regiment. Um, wow. so pretty, yeah, pretty exciting. Right. 75th, right? 75th guy? 75th, uh, that's right. I'm not a 75th guy, no. So I, I, uh, I went to Ranger School. I'm Ranger qualified, but I, I didn't serve in a Ranger Battalion. I served in a, in a Pathfinder company at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. But uh, yeah, Rangers lead the way, and uh, it's not for the faint of heart, right? So for sure, yeah. if it was easy, everybody would do it. Exactly. That's right. That's right. 
Well, we're excited to have uh, Mike Hall, retired CSM. Um, he served 34 years in Army Special Operations. Uh, retired General Stanley McChrystal uh, said he is the best soldier he has ever known. And that is who is joining us next week on the pod. So we will be back here next Tuesday, uh, the 9th of March. Uh, same bad time, same bad place. Uh, so come back and check us out. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Download, share, and tell people how cool we are sometimes. I will. I will absolutely will. That all the time. Absolutely. You're going to be in the uh, the top 5% by uh, by next Tuesday. That's it. That's all we need. You can just manda- make it mandatory that all the seniors at your facility have, right. have to download. Download, Nana. Download. Exactly right. For exactly you. Right. That's right. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate you. And um, we'll talk soon. Very good. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, gentlemen.